Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome on in, Eagles fans, to episode six of the No Huddle Show, our Philadelphia Eagles podcast, right here on NJ.com. I'm Joe Gillian. With me, as always, Elliot Shore Parks and Mark Eckel. You can follow us on Twitter at Elliot Shore Parks, at Mark Eckel08, at Joe Gillio Sports. Subscribe on iTunes, on Stitcher. And once you've done all that, make sure you listen because we've gotten through the whole preseason, we've gotten through the whole training camp. And now, guys, it's the real thing. It is week one. The regular season is upon us. The Eagles will be in Atlanta. You guys will both be in Atlanta on Monday Night Football, September the 14th. So now we get to talk about actual football on the field, preview the season. Uh, this should be a fun episode as we look forward to what I people think will be a very good and very exciting uh, Eagles season. Elliot, are you ready here, man? Doing good. Excited for Atlanta on Monday. Mark, are you ready for a, a fun season Eagles football? I really need a couple more weeks of preseason. I, I need more games like that Jets game last week to really get me. I, I think we need a little more time. No, I'm You're killing me. I, I'm, yes, I'm ready. <laughs> so we are ready here. Week one is upon us. We will have uh, all these games coming up in the Eagles 7 o'clock Monday night uh, in Atlanta against the Falcons. So let's start with just a review of what you guys think about the team. Final 53-man roster and uh, I heard a little Tebow mention there. He's not part of it. Stephen Morris is instead. But, Elliot, you're just your thoughts looking at the 53-man, and we know the bottom of it could change any day. But as it stands right now, Eagles, as far as going into this season, how do you feel about this team when you look at this roster? Yeah, going into OTAs, um, you know, back when Bradford was first starting to practice and all that, I was thinking they were about a 10-6 and 6 team. And I kind of thought they would be a 10-6 and 6 team regardless who is at quarterback. Um, now that I've watched them through OTAs and I've watched them in preseason, I think this team's going to be really good. And I've, I've come around on Bradford. I mean, obviously there's the health thing, but if he can stay healthy and, you know, this team isn't, you know, obviously with any team you can say if, if there's injuries it's going to impact the record. But <laughs> if they're able to remain healthy, I think this could be a, you know an 11-win team, maybe 12-win team depending on how some of their opponents end up being. I mean, on surface the schedule doesn't look that hard. I know we'll – We'll get into this a little later, but it's the, the biggest thing I think about this team is I just think they're very, they're very, very talented. They have playmakers at key positions. I think they have way more playmakers on defense than they did last year. And then there's Bradford, who I think, at least, you know, we saw in that Green Bay game, which is clearly unrealistic for him to keep up, but at his best, he can, he can look or at least play the part briefly of an elite-type quarterback. So, you know, how things will play out, we'll see, but I just think this team is just extremely, extremely talented. That's kind of what I think of when, when I think of the 2015 Eagles roster. 
Mark, what's your gut telling you? You look at the 53-man roster, you watch this team through OTAs, through camp. Are you on the same page of Elliott here with this being a very talented roster and, um, you know, barring anything unforeseen, a, a big season looks uh, to be upon us here? We're in the same book. I don't know if we're on the same page. Um, I think this is a good team. I think the offense is going to score points. I think they're deep at running back and at wide receiver. Um, I like almost everything I see about the offense, including Sam Sam Bradford. And I'm I'm not down on Mark Sanchez. If Sanchez has to play with the guys they have around him, I think he'd be just fine. My concerns, and Elliot and I disagree on this. I the defense is it better than last year? Well, yeah. I mean, it was it was pathetic last year. So yeah, it's better than better than last year. But I'm still not ready to call this a top tier defense by any means. I'm I'm very concerned about the who's they, they don't even know who their nickel is. Chip Kelly wouldn't say the other day because you know why he, he didn't say? Because he doesn't know. They don't know. Eric Rowe has been a major disappointment as a second round pick that they thought could come right in and play. He can't. He's not ready. He's getting killed by backup wide receivers from the New York Jets. So he's not ready. EJ Biggers, I mean really? Okay, maybe, but that's not what the plan was. Um, so I'm real concerned that teams, like we said last week, teams are going to spread them out and throw, and I don't know if they're going to do that. I mean, we're, everybody's ready to say Brandon Graham's the next Lawrence Taylor, but he's never started in his life. He's, you know, I mean, he, and he played a couple series in preseason, and I didn't see anything spectacular out of him. I mean, he's a, he's a solid player. Um, the inside linebackers, yeah, they're, they're deep and talented. If any of them would ever play, we saw one series of Kiko Alonso, one, two series of, of D'Amico Ryans, Kendrick's in and out. I, I'm not ready to say that, that this – can it get better as the year goes on? Absolutely. I don't think the defense is – at the beginning, let's put it this way, bet the over Monday night. I don't even know what the number is, but bet the over. I'm changing my record prediction to seven and nine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just yeah. concerned about the defense, that's all. No, I mean, and I think those are all fair points. My, my counter would be – I mean, I think the front seven, this is really where I think me and Mark disagrees. I think the front seven could be the best front seven in the league. I mean, last year they were one of the best against the runs. They got after the quarterback, and they forced a ton of fumbles. So I think the front seven will be good. And then I look at the secondary, and you know, I was I was not skeptical of the Byron Maxwell deal because money's money, and it doesn't really impact me. But, I mean, I think he was, like, marginally better than Kerry Williams. If you look at his career and you compare it to Williams' career, they've been pretty comparable players. But – I think he's looked better in training camp than, than I anticipated he would. So that's one reason I'm higher on the on the defense than I thought. And this could just be me drinking the Kool-Aid, and I'm not a Kool-Aid drinker, as you guys know, but I really do think Walter Thurman is going to end up being a playmaker at safety. I, I don't know why. I don't think his intercept. I mean, he has the two interceptions during preseason. They have both been not easy interceptions, but they you know they haven't been amazingly scared. Hey, I like Walter Thurman and Byron Maxwell just fine, too. Tell me who the nickel is. That's all. Tell me when yeah, they. You're right. The nickel is a lot. The nickel is a big. The nickel. I agree with that, but I guess my counter would be if the biggest concern of the defense is the nickel. Yes, that's a concern, but that's oh, not. No, I'm also. Tell me about. Tell me about Brandon Graham. You're Brandon. you're still on Brandon Graham being one of the best of the front, the greatest front seven in the history of football. Has includes a guy that never started before. That's all. That's fair. I mean, I think Brandon Graham will be able to live up. Look, I mean, last year he played, I think it was 500-something snaps. Right, and was average. I know how you feel about pro football focus, so we won't get into that. But according to pro football focus... What do the kids in the basement think? Go ahead. <laughs> he's one of, he was one of the best pass rushers in the league last year in that limited space. So, yeah. so. Like, I guess, like I said, Lawrence, like I said, next Lawrence Taylor. 
Yeah, exactly. So since they're going to have Lawrence Taylor on the front seven, I like their chances. Lawrence Taylor, Graham, and you know. But I will say, and this plays into the nickel thing, is depth is a big issue on the defense. And if you know people talk about the offensive line, clearly depth's an issue there. But on the defense, I mean, if Graham, if Connor Barwin or Malcolm Jenkins or you know, even Brandon Graham mm-hmm. down, they don't have anybody that can step in and even remotely fill those shoes. I mean, Marcus Smith. We'll probably talk about him a little later, but. I mean, he's been a complete disaster. I mean, even in training camp, he had one good game, and, you know, then he got hurt. And then also, like you mentioned, at nickel, Eric Rose looked really bad. And it kind of makes you wonder, they're better off, and I know you've talked about this, putting him at safety and moving Thurman into the slot as opposed to kind of trying to force these players into roles they might not be completely I think when they go nickel, that's their best, the best thing they could do right now. My only, my only issue with that is last year you saw with Marcus Smith they moved him from the outside to the inside to the outside to the inside. And he might just be an example of a player who can't do anything anyway. But I would be concerned about moving Rowe all around so early on. Rowe played safety his whole life. It's, it's not like you're asking. Smith never played it. Smith was a quarterback not that long ago. They made him a defensive end. and that they Rowe's played safety. Making him a corner was the adjustment. Put him back where he belongs. and I, think, I don't think it's that big, big of a deal. Yeah, I just think you look at what he's done – He's been practicing a cornerback, at least as far as we know, exclusively throughout training camp. Well, we, have, so, we haven't seen the last two and a half weeks of practice. We don't know what they're that's doing. True. That is true. So, I mean, either way, though, I agree. The nickel is a big concern. And you mentioned this even before the Jets game. The Falcons are going to spread the Eagles out. They're going to put four receivers there and force row to cover. And that's really where the Eagles could end up being, you know, Maxwell can be the best cornerback in the league, but if they're not throwing at him, it doesn't matter. If, you know, if, if Rowe's getting burned every game, that's – Something they're going to have to deal with, and it kind of you know brings back the Boykin trade. All right, you guys there were talking back and forth about the strengths and weaknesses, specifically on the defensive side of the ball with this team. And, you know, you look at the Eagles, and there's I, I think obviously Sam Bradford, the quarterback, any team, the quarterback is the number one guy. The team goes as he goes health-wise, all that kind of stuff. But the, what, the question I want to throw out to you, because there's a lot of different players in this team that are very good uh, outside of the quarterback position that can play major roles. You just mentioned there Walter Thurmond, Elliott, who is you know, not one of the top five players in the team but could be an X factor. So the question I want to throw out to each of you is, who is the most indispensable player on this football team in your mind? The one guy, and let's put the quarterback aside for a second because that's obvious, but the one guy the Eagles could not afford to lose. He, not, he doesn't have to be the best player on the team, but just could be based on the depth chart, who's behind him. For each of you, who's the most indispensable Eagles we go into this 2015 season? Elliot? For me, it's Connor Barwin. And I guess, as you were saying that, I was trying to think of one player that if they lost him would, would doom their season. And I'm not sure Barwin would doom their season, but they you don't have Lawrence Taylor on the, on the other side. Yeah, well, that's, yeah, because they have Lawrence Taylor on the other side. That's true. So When you have LT, you don't need much else. Exactly. But, um, I mean, Bar- Barwin does so much for the defense, and they don't even have anybody, like, remotely close that could do that. I mean, you're talking about the backup, uh, the backup outside linebackers. Brian Brayman, who's a special teams player, Vinny Curry, who's a defensive end, and Marcus Smith, who's inactive. So they don't have anybody that could step in and do everything Barwin does. I mean, I guess their game plan would be try to move Graham over there, which would be, you know, probably some form of a disaster. So that would be the one player. I don't think they have anybody that could fill every, everything he does. And it's a key position in the 3-4, the outside linebacker. And he was a Pro Bowl player last year. So on the field, he does a ton. And then off the field, you know, he's a big defensive leader, vocal guy. I, I just don't think they could afford to lose him. Mark, how about you? Indispensable player on this team. Someone 
there's, just can't afford to lose. There's several, and Connor Barwin's one of them, but the guy that's the most is Jason Peters. I mean, it's about Pro Bowl. He's, he's a borderline Hall of Famer. And, you, I mean, if he's not there at left, who's, who's your left tackle? What do you do? Dennis Kelly, Andrew Gardner? Uh, I mean, you move Gardner to tackle and put another guard in? I mean, the line's shaky enough. I think the line will be fine. I really do. If it all stays healthy, I think they're good enough at both. They're very good at both tackles. They're good at center. I think the guards can get by. But, you know, I think, I think Alan Barber, everybody raving about Alan Barber at left guard. Left guard on the Eagles might be the easiest position to play because you're next to, like I said, a Hall of Famer at left tackle and a very good center in Jason Kelsey. So left guard, just don't mess up and, and you'll look fine. Um, take Peters out of that mix and what are you going to do? And then that's going to get somebody hurt. If Peters isn't at left, isn't at left tackle, Sam Bradford isn't going to make it through the season. I don't know. I think Bradford, I mean, that guy's been pretty steady throughout his career. <laughs> He's a rock back there. He's just like Flacco and Eli and uh, Peyton Manning. They don't miss games. Yeah, well, that, he if Jason Peters is is protecting his blind side. I have a lot more confidence than anyone. Like, tell me, seriously, who would? I don't even know what they would do. Would they move Lane Johnson over and then open up right tackle? I, mean, I don't know what they do either. He's never played left tackle, so that's so now you're waking, you're weakening yourself at two positions. Matt Tobin. That's what I'm saying. I don't even know Gardner. Tobin, you move. I don't. I don't. I don't know what they would do, but it would be. A, it wouldn't be. It'd be a major, major, major drop off from whoever, from Jason Peters to whom, whomever they would put in there. On Jason Peters, you know, last December, I'm not going to say he played bad because I don't know if we'll ever see Jason Peters play bad or poorly. But I thought there was a little slippage, and he did acknowledge it a little bit uh, during the off season, and and he said he's corrected it. He's he figured out whatever the problem was, technique or whatever. Did you guys notice that too in December that Peters maybe wasn't his old dominant self? And is there any worry in your mind that? I mean, eventually he's going to fall off a little bit, right? He's not going to play at, at his Hall of Fame level for every snap of his entire career until he retires, you know, four or five years from now. Eventually there will be slippage. I'm not sure if we're there yet, but did you guys see that in December, or do you think he's just he's A-OK and we could count on A-plus Jason Peters? How about you, Mark? Yeah, I mean, he slipped a bit. I mean, I don't, I don't think it was a – I don't think it was a major thing, but, yeah, I think he might have got tired. To be honest, I think he might have gotten tired by the end of last year. The Eagles offense, put they, they put up a lot of plays. He is getting a little bit older. He's been in the league a long time. Um, but I'm not worried. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's one of the least of my worries is Jason Peters not being, you know, not being himself. Um, I still think he's one of the if, – if he's not – I mean, for years he was the best left tackle in football. I still think he's in the top three, um, even with a little bit of a slip. And then I, I actually talked to some some people about him this this off season, and from, from from other teams, and they said, "Hey, you know, he's still right. He's still the best. He's still right there." Talk to our guys. They say, you know, nobody nobody wants to go go against him. So I'm not worried. I mean, yeah, I, I think there was a bit of a a fatigue factor. Plus, keep in mind too, he was. I mean, that line other than him, everybody else got got hurt. So he was. You know, playing next to different people every other week, he had somebody else next to him. A lot, you know. So I, I think that took a toll on him a little bit as, as well. So when you got go well, ahead, Elliot. I, no, I was just going to add, um, not to get off on a bit of a, a tangent, but it kind of the question made me wonder, like, because you said Jason Peters is getting up there, and he's obviously a key player, and Mark just spoke as to how important he is to the roster. And the Eagles do have, I think, the oldest roster in the NFL, if not the oldest, right up there with the uh, you know top two or three oldest rosters. It kind of made me wonder, you know, this is kind of the first year of Chip Kelly building his team. 
They're obviously built to win now, but would you argue the window is open or closing on the Eagles due to the age of key positions? Um, I don't know. Just kind of interesting question because Peter's obviously a big a big factor there. And, you know, you want to give this team time to grow and stuff, but if they don't win a playoff game this year, I don't know. It's kind of – I don't know where I'm going with this. Just a bit of a tangent I was thinking about with Peter's age and is this team on the ascent or do they or is their window closing? They only have a two or three window uh, – two or three year gap here to win. I think it's a good question. I mean, I think every team in the NFL kind of is – Year-to-year thing now, and I think Chip Kelly believes that. I don't, I don't think there are any more windows. I think – you, you just try to win every year. I mean, I mean, well, there there are teams that are quote unquote in rebuilding mode. If you're, you know, Tampa Bay with Jameis Winston or Tennessee with, I won't mention his name. Um, you know, then then you're building obviously. But I mean, I don't think the Eagles are. I don't think their window is any. Is, I don't. I wouldn't say it's closing. Um, I think they're in win now mode. I think that's where they are. I mean, but you're right. If they don't win, if this year. If for whatever reason, I don't injuries. Hey, injuries happen. Green Bay lost their number one wide receiver. They're not. They're not crying in Green Bay. They went out and got James Jones. I mean, um, but if for whatever reason the Eagles go nine and win nine games this year and miss the playoffs, well, I don't know what they do. I mean, do you, you do you blow it up again? I don't know. I mean, they blew it up this year. Do you do you resign Sam Bradford? Yeah, that's what I when you playoffs, mentioned it, Elliot. Well, I, I was thinking about the quarterback because the one thing that you notice around the NFL is the teams that have the right coach and the right quarterback, that window seems to always be open, even if they have to retool other things right. or it doesn't look like a really good roster. They seem to always have the window at least cracked open. So, I mean, if we really believe in Chip Kelly and we think he knows what he's doing here as you know, both now personnel and coaching and Bradford checks out to be you know, everything they hope for, then, I get, then the window will stay open regardless of the age everywhere else because ultimately – the NFL, the way it works, it seems to tell us that it doesn't really matter who else you have everywhere else. If you have a, a tremendous quarterback and you have a tremendous coach, the window's always open, right? So I think a lot of this goes back to the Bradford thing. If Kelly's really good, which I think he is, and Bradford's really good, which we'll see, then the window should stay open, right? Right. But, well, they have to resign Bradford. Like Elliot just said, do you, I, if he's that good, you would think they're going to resign him. Well, it takes two. I mean... Who's to say Bradford doesn't say, all right, hey, hey, you know what? Remember when you wanted Mariota? Remember, remember when you were driving by that house? Well, I'm now I'm driving. Now it's my turn to drive. <laughs> you never know. We don't, I don't, I'm not in Sam Bradford's head. I mean, he might love a certain place where he'd like to play. I mean, we don't know. I mean, unless they franchise tag him. But, I mean, you know, we don't know that Bradford – Bradford could have a great year to say, thanks, see you later. I'm, I'm, I'm heading to uh, wherever. Tampa, you know, uh, I'm picking a team. And to, tie, and to tie it all together, I mean, that's why Bradford, I know when we were talking about most indispensable players, you took him out of the mix. But really, the entire season comes down to Bradford because if he plays well and he's an elite guy and you re-sign him, the outlook of this franchise is so different. If he, you know, God forbid, gets injured or, you know, just plays as mediocre and they're 9-7, and seven, then you look at this roster and you go, they're an old roster, they don't have a quarterback, and they have, they're very thin at key positions, and the defense probably isn't good again. So it's just it's amazing how much we've talked about this at length. How much a quarterback just changes the complete outlook of the franchise. He does, and he the way he played in the third preseason game seemed to change the complete outlook on the Philadelphia Eagles from everyone's perspective. I mean, everything I've read, guys, and everyone I've listened to over the past couple of weeks outside of our podcast, of course, it, you know, they have the Eagles as a very good team, and 
I didn't see that as much before the preseason started. I heard a lot of people say they could be good, Kelly, all that kind of stuff, and they were 10-6 and six the last two years, but it almost felt like people watched Bradford for one quarter or a quarter plus, if you include the Raven game, and all of a sudden they said, okay, yeah, now I'm buying it on the Eagles. So, I mean, I guess I'll throw that, this question. That's crazy, though, Joe. That's crazy talk. But have you noticed the same thing, Mark? Well, yeah, but that's fans. Fans are nuts. I mean, that's why they're fans. They, and, if Bradford, and, and guess what? If Bradford would have played poorly that game, they would, they'd, they'd all be saying, oh, my God, we're done. We're 5-11. and 11. We stink. We're not going to be. I've learned that you don't, I mean, listen, you watch preseason, you hope nobody gets hurt, and you take it for what it's worth. You know, I, I never, I usually stay with what I, I thought 10-6 and six after the after the draft, you know, after everything shook out trade-wise and everything. I thought they, I liked them. I'm one of the few people that actually liked taking a gamble on Bradford and getting rid of Foles. I, I didn't mind trading McCoy for Alonzo and, and bringing in Murray and Matthews. I didn't mind letting the great Evan Mathis walk. I didn't mind, um, you know, Carrie Williams and Bradley Fletcher going and being replaced by Maxwell and, and bringing in. Th- I, I didn't mind any of those moves. So I had them 10 and 6. Now, if you want to tell me 11, okay, I'm not going to, I'm not going to argue with you, but I, 10 wouldn't, 10 still wouldn't surprise. I, I think they're the best team in the NFC East. And I thought that from the day they got the Marco Murray. I mean, from my perspective, and I, you know, I'll play the role of the hype man right now, but I mean, Bradford's been out on the field for four drives this preseason. They scored four touchdowns. So, and they've really done it without much contributions from their receivers. I mean, they're kind of the the plan seems to be working. I mean, Bradford has looked great, and they're using their running backs a ton. I mean, on that first drive against Green Bay, nobody besides Bradford and the three running backs touched the ball. So, you know, I agree with Mark. I was at ten and six, but the reason now I'm more eleven and five, twelve and four is I just. I just look at them, and they've looked so impressive. And I know they're preseason games, but they're just smoking people. And the depth, and, you know, maybe that points to coaching. I don't know. I don't really know what it goes to. Uh, but I just – I think 11-5, 12-4 with the playoff winner, too, is, is now where I'm at more based off the preseason. Maybe that's more my inexperience of covering it. I mean, Mark's been doing this for much longer. But I just look at them, and I just see – I just see a very talented roster that, that's ready to win now. And I think the rest of the NFC isn't that good. You mentioned the NFC East there, guys. Let's let's go into that a little bit because the Cowboys last year were the best team, and you know if a couple different breaks go their way and maybe one catch goes their way uh, in Green Bay, they're in the NFC title game. Now I agree with you, Mark. I think the Eagles are the better team, and I've kind of thought it since Murray came over as well. I think the Eagles are better than the Cowboys right now. But how much better are they? Is this going to be Eagles Cowboys? Right down to the end, are the Cowboys still a ten and six, eleven and five team that will be right there with them, or do you guys think the Eagles are clearly the best team in the NFC East? You have the Giants trying to bounce back. The Redskins look like a you know a dumpster fire right now. But how do you guys handicap the NFC East with the Eagles you know included into that mix, Elliot? I think they're the I think they are the favorite, and I would say they're probably the best team. But you know, and again to bring it back to Bradford, right now the Eagles have the third best quarterback in that division off of what they've accomplished. I mean, I know preseason he's looked good, but you know, you'd have to put Romo and Manning ahead of Bradford at this point. And with that in mind, I don't think it's fair to say any team that has the third-best quarterback in the division will run away with it. No, I think the Eagles will win, and I think Bradford can ultimately, by the end of this year, end up being potentially the best quarterback in that division. But right now, I, I, I just don't think it's – to think the Eagles will win by two, three games, I don't think it can happen. I think it will come right down to the wire. Um, I think the Cowboys, even though I think they've taken a step back with the loss of Murray – 
I don't think the defense is as good as people made it out to be. I still think the Cowboys are a 9 or 10 win team. So I think this will be very close. And, I mean, look at last year. The Eagles were 9-3, and three, I believe. They beat the Cowboys on Thanksgiving, but then they lose that crucial game at home. So I think it's going to come down to a late-season matchup once again. But I think the Eagles ultimately win the division. Mark, where are you with this division in terms of the – you said the Eagles are the best team – are they that much better than the Cowboys? And, and where do you put the Giants and, and into the mix uh, behind them? I think they're, I think the Eagles are the best, but I agree with Elliot that yeah, Dallas is going to be there. I mean, Dallas was what they they won 12 games last year, so that's they were like, two games better than the Eagles um, in the grand scheme. I mean, if you look, at the, you know, but yeah, losing Murray was a, is a big big factor. They and they didn't really. I don't mind losing guys. I never mind a team giving up on a guy for whatever reasons. Money. Sometimes it's money. Sometimes you it's you think he's he's going down. Whatever. But you have to replace him. I don't feel the Dallas Cowboys replaced Demarco Murray with a guy even close to his his skill level. So Dallas is not going to be able to run the ball the way they did last year. I don't care how great their offensive line is. They're not going to run the ball as effectively as they did. And there, with that said, their defense won't. The reason their defense was better than everybody thought last year is because they weren't on the field all that much. If if you look at I think it's yards per play last year like Dallas in terms of overall yards was like in the middle like maybe I think 13th, 14th in the league or whatever it was not bad at all yards per play they were near the bottom of the league they just weren't on the field because Dallas held the ball Dallas played four corners basically they ran 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 you know a little pass here to you know bomb the death sometimes but they kept they kept their defense off the field I don't think they're going to be able to do that this year and I think their defense will get exposed more often. Uh, with that's also with not being able to run the ball more, Romo's going to be throwing the ball more, and you know he, he. I mean, we talk about Bradford, and we're worried about Bradford and his knee because he blew it up. Romo's had back surgery. Yeah, and, uh, he's only a, a, a big hit hit away from from missing some some time too. And guess what? I'll take Mark Sanchez over Brandon Whedon every every time in the world. I mean, you know, Sanchez can go out and win a game for you. I know that. But I don't think Whedon can. So I think Dallas. And also, here's, here's another factor I'm, I'm, I'm going to throw you at. The Eagles and Cowboys, 14 of their 16 games are exactly the same because that's the way the schedule is. The two differences are Dallas plays Green Bay and Seattle. I think every week everybody will agree they're the one and two teams in the NFC. Yeah. Otherwise, mm-hmm. the Eagles play the Lions and the Cardinals. Not bad teams, not bad by any means, but I'd rather play the Lions and the Cardinals than the Packers and the, and, and the Seahawks. So... There's the difference, too. I mean, they could be the same. The Eagles and Cowboys could be exactly even in every aspect. If the Eagles beat the Cardinals and Lions and the Cowboys lose to the Packers and Seahawks, the Eagles are two games better. So I think the Eagles will win the division. I don't – I got by at least a game, if not more. The Giants are a team that I thought might be the surprise this year. I was telling people all during, like, the spring, I think all maybe all three – well, the, the, the NFCs could have three playoff teams. I thought the Giants, I thought the Eagles could win a division. Cowboys and Giants could could both be wild cards. Now I'm, I'm I don't think the Giants are in that mix anymore. They just their offensive line is is uh, in flux. Losing Beatty was a was a big blow. Uh, their secondary, they don't they don't have any. All their people were hurt. They're 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 looking for safeties every day. Um, I mean, they, but they do they still have Eli Manning. And they still have Odell Beckham Jr. So that's that's a that's a lethal combination. But I don't know if, if it's enough to, to to be more than eight and eight or so. And the Redskins, I don't know. Do we even have to talk about them? Like you said, they're they're they're, they're just I think they're the worst team in the league. 
I really do. I think they'll have their first pick in next year's draft. I do too, actually. I, I think they're going to be awful. I think we just have to kind of eliminate them from the conversation. If they surprise us, uh, you know, they surprise us. You mentioned the schedule, Mark. Let's talk about the schedule here for a couple minutes. Um, then we'll get into some over-unders, you know, questions about the players and kind of fun prop bets for the season. Uh, and then we'll end this uh, episode six with a look towards Monday Night Football, look towards the game coming up. I'm looking at the schedule here in front of me, guys. And, you know, if you asked me three months ago, would the Eagles be a team that starts hot and then, you know, kind of evens out or a team that starts slowly, puts it together and goes on a run towards the end? I'd probably choose the latter because they had so many new players. I didn't know if Bradford but now I might have changed my mind on that just because they look more ready than I thought they would with all the new faces, all the new pieces they put into place here. But I'm looking at the schedule. Where do you fall on that? Do you think this is going to be a team that gets off to a hot start? I mean, we all know not every 10-6 and 6 or 11-5 and 5 or 12-14 and 14 is, is built the same. They don't all go 6-0 and 0 and then you know, kind of finish the, the spurt after that. Where do you see this team starting? How do you see them starting, Elliot? At the Falcons? home for the Cowboys, at the Jets, at the Redskins. Three out of four on the road, uh, but the three road games is certainly not against, you know, and none of those teams look to be uh, very good. Falcons, Cowboys, Jets, Redskins. Do you think the Eagles get off to a hot start, Elliot? Yeah, I do. Um, I've gone back and forth on this Falcons game so many times. I, at first I thought it was going to be a win. I thought they were going to lose. Now I'm, I'm leaning back towards I think they might pull it out. So I'm thinking they're probably going to start 3-1, and 4-1, and one, something like that. I mean, you look at – you know, not only just the Falcons, Cowboys, Jets, and Redskins. They have the Saints, who won't be that good, the Giants, who won't be that good, and the Panthers, who I think maybe will be a playoff team, but the Eagles can outscore them, you know, in their sleep. So I think that'll be a win as well. And when I look at their schedule, I'm looking at it right now, the kind of like four or five-game stretch I think will ultimately decide their season is beginning with at the Cowboys November 8th, then they have the Dolphins, Buccaneers at home, and the Lions on the road. I think those are four games. I know the Dolphins and the Buccaneers, those aren't hard games, but those are games you've got to win. So I, I think you know you have the divisional game with the Cowboys, then you have the Thanksgiving Day game. So I think that's going to be a key stretch of the Eagles season. I've said all along, I've talked to Mark about this, the games I think will decide the Eagles' seasons, these season this year will be the Cardinals, the Dolphins, and the Saints, because I think those are games that are kind of tricky hard, but are also games the team should win. So, you know, overall, though, you mentioned it, I don't think – the schedule allows them to get off to a hot, a hot start. And really, it also allows them to finish strong, too. When you look at their last four games, the Bills at home, the Cardinals at home, the Redskins at home, and the Giants on the road. I mean, they can be favored in every single one of those games. So, you know, unlike last year where they kind of blew it at the end of the year due to the schedule, they could really finish strong heading into the playoffs this year. They could. I mean, I'm looking at it right now as you went through it, Elliot, and you know, three of the first four on the road, and I think the Pope coming to Philadelphia played a part in that with the September 27th game against the Jets. But like you just said, at the end, it evens out. Three of four at home in December, and the last game, like you said, is at the Giants. So, I mean, the Eagles don't really leave the area. I mean, they take a bus up to play the Giants, but they don't really leave home, basically, after they go play the Patriots on December 6th. That's a, that's a pretty good quirk of the schedule. Mark, when you look at the schedule... Uh, how do you think this plays out in terms of do they start hot, do they finish strong? What, what does the schedule tell you? Well, I know everybody read my story today on, on the, the three key games on NJ.com slash Eagles. Um, and, uh, That's that, why I brought this up. I'm reading it right now. Tuesday morning, you know, but, um, no, I, they don't – their first ten games, they play one team that had a winning record last year in their Cowboys. first ten games, and that's the Cowboys twice. So, yeah, they better jump out early. Um this the, the schedule makers 
I think Chip Kelly was involved in making the schedule this year, or Ed Manowitz, or somebody in the organization, because they really did the. It's a almost. It's a you know, before the schedule came out, the night before the schedule came out, um, I did a like a quote unquote mock schedule, like doing what I thought would be the best scenario for the Eagles, like for, for the sixteen games, and it was pretty. It wasn't much different than what I asked for. They got Dallas after the bye. I mean, their hardest, the most important game they're going to play this year is probably in Dallas. Well, they gave them the bye week right before. They gave them two weeks to get ready for, for, for Dallas. You couldn't ask for anything more than that. You have New England, the, the hardest game on the schedule, bar none. That's the best team that they play all, all year. But that's after Thanksgiving. So, again, a week and a half to prepare for, for them. Um, they do have to go to Detroit on Thanksgiving. That's, that's no bargain. And that's going to be a tough game. I think that Ali mentioned his three games that are tough. My, my three um, trap games, or call them whatever you'd like, are the game at Carolina, the game in Detroit, and then Arizona. And the reason I picked those three, Carolina comes the week before the bye. Now, Chip Kelly is 2-0 and weeks in weeks before the bye so far, which is great. But teams sometimes lose focus the week before the bye. I've seen it for years. Now, again, like I said, Chip Kelly is 2-0, so I'll give him that. But teams seem to, you know, the wives are on them about, well, hey, are we going away? What are we doing? Are we taking the kid? They're just, they lose focus. They just simply do. They have other, people forget that these guys are guys, too. They're just like us. I mean, they, they have other lives outside of football. And, I, you know, that, that so that, that's a tough, and it's on the road. It's Sunday night in Carolina. The Panther fans will be crazy. It's a night game. The Panthers aren't, don't get a whole lot of national TV games, so that'll, that'll be a tough spot, I think, for them. Like I said, Thanksgiving in Detroit is always, it's, you know, it's a short week, you're on the road, it's, you know, and, and, and again, last year they had it, and they, they played their best game of the year, I thought, I think by far their best game of the year last year was to win in Dallas on Thanksgiving, so they have shown that they can take a short week and, and, and do well, but that, that's a tough one, and in Arizona, if you look at the last two years, the Eagles-Cardinals games, they've both been great games. And they both decided both teams' fate, in a sense. Two years ago, the Eagles beat the Cardinals here in a very good game, and that put the Eagles, that helped the Eagles make the playoffs and eventually not as the game that knocked the Cardinals out of the playoffs. And then last year, the Eagles lose in Arizona, and when you, when you go back and look at the whole, the whole season, if they would have won that game, they would have made the playoffs. They would have been 11-5. The Cardinals would have been 10-6. and six. They would have been in, in instead of the Cardinals as, as a wild card. So – Two years in a row, that game has meant a lot, and, I and this year coming late in the year as it is, I think it, it could be a very, very meaningful game again. When you look at the schedule, and you mentioned there, uh, you know, you were kind of going through some of the weeks, Mark, and the Panther game, and I, I looked at the time of it. It's the Sunday night game, and first two years here under Chip Kelly, I'm not sure if this is coincidence. I'm not sure if there's really something to it, or it's just, you know, it is what it is. But I think the Eagles are seven and three if you count Thanksgiving as a prime time type of thing, and. And even the Saturday night game, they lost the Redskins last year. If you want to count that, I believe they're seven and three in these prime time games. And they have a, I mean, they have a ton on the schedule, which just tells you TV people want to put the Eagles on because they're fun to watch. But I think they have five or six five. of them, uh, whether it be Thanksgiving or Monday night, Sunday night, all that kind of stuff. They have a good number of of those prime time games as well. I'm sorry, you're asking me. Why are they? Why are they good on in prime time? Yeah, I just wonder if you think there's something to that because they do have a lot of them on the schedule again. Oh, they're on the schedule because they're. Fun. I mean, teams they're gonna be fun to watch. Like, I always say this: like we're so close, and maybe we nitpick too much because we're, this is the team we cover, and we're you know. But I, if you lived in Iowa and you didn't have a favorite team and you just wanted to watch football, 
I would watch the Eagles every week. They're they're going to be fun. I mean, this offense is is fun to watch. They have Elliott said they have you know they have they have talent. All you know, I want to watch a, an offense that goes up and down the field and scores points and no huddle and run and and you know they're and Chip Kelly is is a is a is a name is a for a coaching standpoint. Most people don't watch the coach. I mean. You know, you don't watch Mike McCarthy in Green Bay. I mean, most people won't even know who – some people that are football fans might not even know who Green Bay's coach is. I don't know. But, you know, Chip Kelly brings a brings an aura about him that people want to see. What's he going to do? How's he – even though it's kind of a myth because he's been the most conservative coach I've ever covered. He, he doesn't do anything crazy during the game. Right? I mean uh. – I mean, the other, the other the other thing to look at is just, I mean, how exciting is Sam Bradford to watch, right? I mean, you know, you got to get him in two years. <laughs> you got to get him in prime time as much as possible. I mean, the only I'm looking at the schedule now. They only have eight games at one o'clock, so they basically half their schedule is in some form of a prime time slot. So I mean, you know, this is going to be we, we we've said all along this is going to be a huge hit or miss season. They can go 12 and four; it could all fall apart. If that happens, there's going to be a lot of dud primetime games late in the season, or there's going to be a lot of big-time exciting games. Well, you you asked me a couple of weeks ago. We were talking, and um, you said to me, "Bigger, better chance of happening." I think it was missing the. You no, know, no, you said by getting the first pick or something crazy. <laughs> but we went through. I think missing the playoffs is is a is the least chance of like a, when we spelled it out, missing the playoffs, uh, making the playoffs but losing the first round, winning a game. Uh, getting to the to the championship game or, and getting to the Super Bowl were our five choices, and we both I think we both agreed that missing the playoffs was the least likely to happen. Do you, do you you're still there? Yeah, I, I don't think they're gonna miss the playoffs. I mean, I, I like I said, um, I think they're they could maybe even get a bye with this with how easy their schedule is, but I I think they're gonna win a playoff game. Um, I don't think they're gonna miss the playoffs. I think because just because of the safety net of Mark Sanchez, I think even even if Bradford were to go down, I don't know if they could. Sanchez would take them as far in the playoffs. Um, you know, he obviously has a pretty decent playoff record, but I think um, just the safety net of Sanchez saves them from having their season completely fall out from underneath them. Whereas you mentioned it, if Romo goes down, you're going to Brandon Whedon in Dallas. So at least the Eagles can go to a quarterback who's proven, who can, who can, you know, last year basically brought into the playoffs until the very end. And has one playoff game. I mean, they won ten games. I mean, people people want to make it sound like they collapsed last year. They, had, they it was a bad finish. But nine years out of ten, if you win ten games, you you make the playoffs. I mean, it, it was kind of rare. It's a, it's a rare occurrence when a team goes ten and six and misses. It happens. Don't get me wrong. And it was their own fault. They you know. But actually, they could have. If they would have beat the Redskins, they would have left. They still would have missed the playoffs. That would have been really un- unheard of for a team to go eleven and five and miss the playoffs, but it, but it could have. Last year was just was just a rare year, and mainly because I think it was because the South was so bad that there went there there the team that came out of there wasn't even five hundred, um, and that yeah. it, it led to a league a, a, a conference of of have and have nots, and there was there was just one too many have. Yeah, the South was so bad, and the Cardinals had won so many games early that when they lost both quarterbacks. It didn't even matter. They they still made the playoffs with a third stringer because I think they were nine and one at one point or ten and one. They had so many wins in the bank that they got to eleven, um, and they were just going to be in over the Eagles basically, no matter what the Eagles did. All right, I have some over unders for you guys, player kind of prop bets for the Eagles season, and then we'll then we'll get into previewing a little bit for this Monday night game and uh, give our thoughts on on week one and, and what will happen down there in Atlanta. All right, here we go. We'll go and, and each of you could give your thoughts over under on each of these. 
uh, different Eagles props for the season. And we start, we'll start with the big one because this is what we're all wondering about anyway. Over under Sam Bradford games played. We'll go to Elliot and then Mark for all these. Sam Bradford games played, 12 and a half. Over or under, Elliot? I'll go over. I'll go over. I, I don't know why. I mean, how can you even give any rational ra- ration for something like this? I think, I think they'll, they'll go over. 12 and a half? 12 and a half. I think the hook's the, I think the, hook's the key there because I got him at 12, so I'll go under. You have him at 12, but yet the Eagles still doing fine, which is, a, it's just obviously for Sanchez. That's a referendum on him being a good back. Tell me what, quarter, what backup quarterback you'd rather have. I don't think there's one. Right? It's, I mean, there might be somebody out there that I'm overlooking, or maybe there's a young guy that is better than I, than I realize, but I, I'll, I'll take Mark Sanchez. Like I said, if, if Mark Sanchez was the star, if, if God forbid, God forbid, I don't even want to say this out, out loud, if Bradford would have missed the entire season, I still think San, I still think this team can win ten games. I really do. Uh, yeah, well, hey, I'm, I've been beating the Sanchez drum all off season. You know how I feel about that. So you're preaching to the Sanchez choir here. Okay, good. <laughs> all right, Jordan Matthews catches over under eighty. Oh, that's a good number. Um, I'll go under just because I think the ball's gonna be spread around a little more this year between uh, Huff and Aguilar. So. I'll go. I'll go under. Yeah, I'm going to go under also, and, and for the same, not for Huff, but for Aguilar, Ertz, Sproles. They're going to, yeah, they're going to run the ball a lot. I don't see anybody on this team getting 80 catches. Demarco Murray yards over under 1200. I'll go over. I think um, obviously he's not going to put up the huge year he did last year, but I think he'll be he'll be closer to it than people think. I mean, the the carries will be distributed, but he's still going to touch the ball a ton. So I'll go over. Yeah, I'll go over as well. I wouldn't go much over, but, yeah, I think he'll be between 12 and 1,300 yards. All right, I have three left for you guys. These are my favorite ones. I said them for last. Special teams and defensive scores combined over under four and a half. Last year, I believe they had seven. Oh, over. Easy. I I think over. Um, I mean, I think they might might score over four and a half special teams touchdowns this year, and then they'll probably get one or two defensive ones, so I'll go over on that. Yeah, uh, just for the first for the whole season, or we're just talking like the first month. For the whole season. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'll be cashing that one in by the bye week. All oh. right, what what's a higher number? We'll throw this one in there. What's not just an over under, but a higher number? Marcus Smith games played or Marcus Smith quarterback hurries? <laughs> this is this is an Elliott special. I came up with this one. Yeah, I, this is all. I, this I think is you can bet on this one. Yeah, this we'll one's not on the podcast. Um, Elliot brought this one to the table today. <laughs> I'm gonna have to go uh, games he's inactive, <laughs> or you know uh, games. I I don't. Wait, what's the, is it games played or games inactive? It's games inactive. Games inactive. Games. I, I, I got it wrong. Elliot Elliot told me it the right way. I said it wrong. So it's games inactive compared to hurries on the quarterback. What's a higher number? I think games inactive. I don't think. Uh, I I mean we'll see how he does if he plays. But I just he was hurt during training camp. I don't think he'll dress against Atlanta. And then from there, he's got to earn his back spot back on. I'm going to go games inactive. Oh yeah, I'm. I'm well, you know how I feel. I would. Yeah, once he misses the Atlanta game, that'll give him one game inactive, and that'll be more than any, any than the hurries he has. So it'll be one nothing at least. All right, last one, and this one, you know, this one. When I said I, I thought of it, I said um, maybe it's an easy answer for each of you to give. But then I think depending on how well you think they do and where they fall into the well, playoffs next. I'm, I'm 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 sorry, Joe. I just got to back up for a second. You didn't, even, you didn't even say quarterback sacks. You said quarterback hurries. Hurries, just getting after the quarterback. That's how low the bar is for this number one pick. 
That's amazing. It's I'm true, sorry. though. I mean, the bar has been so low. Um, okay, over under playoff victories this year, one and a half. Elliot? Oh, I'll go under. I just don't. I, I just can't pick him against Green Bay or Seattle at this point. I can't imagine they'll avoid them after winning a game. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go under. Wow, one and whew. I'm gonna go under for a different reason. Well, no, I'm gonna go. I don't know. See, one if they have them getting a bye, then, then right. If they had a bye, then, then they, one puts them in the title game already. Right. So that doesn't count, right? No, it counts. No, it counts. But that would mean if you go over, you have them in the Super Bowl. Right. That's what I'm saying. The bye doesn't count. You're not saying how far are they going to get. You're saying playoff wins. Playoff wins, right? Yeah, I, because of yeah, I'm going to go under. I would have to. I mean, if I that's a tough one. Not, not that I mean, I'm if you have if you go the over, you have them either beating Green Bay or Seattle, or well, maybe, have, well, they could have somehow avoid them, maybe. Or you have them in the Super Bowl, essentially. Right. Close to it. So. Right. Yeah, I mean, if I had to bet, if we were really having to put money up on that, the smart bet is to take the under for a lot of reasons. So I'll do the smart bet. And the fun bet's the over. The fun bet is the over. Fun fun bet. If we're going to have fun here, it's, it's clearly over. But we're, we're being logical, I guess, right. um, before the season starts. All right, guys, so here we go. Week one in Atlanta. You guys will both be there. A couple thoughts on the game from each of you and maybe an X factor onto – the matchup here. I mean, from my perspective, I've thought for a while now this, I, I feel like Eagles fans think this is going to be a little bit easier than it might be. I, I just think this is going to be, a, I think they'll win, but I don't think it's going to be easy. I mean, Atlanta at home, they're usually pretty good in their building. Last couple of years, they've had down years, but uh, Matt Ryan's a good quarterback, could pick apart that secondary if he has time. I, I think it's a close game. Elliot, your thoughts on, on this matchup to start the season? When the schedule first came out, I thought this would be a really easy win for the Eagles. Then Mark kind of convinced me into this whole, it'll be their first game together. You know, this is, and you mentioned it, Joe, like, you know, the, the Bradford's first game in a long time. Kiko Alonso hasn't played a game in, you know, almost two years. So there's that rust factor, but they've looked so good in the preseason. And then I go back to what you say about them going 7-3 and three in prime time. And it just kind of feels like this is going to be a game where, like, it would, like, if they had 28 points in the first quarter, like, it wouldn't surprise me. Like, I just, I just can picture them coming out just absolutely annihilating the Falcons. So I don't know if that's going to happen, but now I'm at a point where I do think they're going to win the game. But I think it'll be a little closer than people think. Maybe, like, you know, 7 or 10-point win for the Eagles. Mark, how about you? This matchup, Eagles-Falcons, week one, on Monday Night Football, 7-10 start uh, coming up September the 14th. What, what's your gut feel going into this one about the matchup? I'm kind of with, with you, John. I mean, I know he was right. I did say to him when the schedule came out, well, that's a tough um, – I, I always find it – I always feel it's tough to go on the road on Monday night um, just because it's, you know, it, it, the other team's jacked up, their fans are going crazy. It's, gonna, it's, it's, it's just a tough spot. Um, and I thought Atlanta – I thought Atlanta was better. I, I thought Atlanta got better this year. I thought they had a really good draft. Um, so I thought this – I had this as a loss. I really – Forget winning by a lot or winning close. I had them flat out losing. But like Elliot said, too, and I agree 100%, this team, and I guess the coaching staff deserves a lot of credit for this, they have come together much quicker, especially on offense. I thought I thought this offense, as good as I think Chip Kelly is as, a, as an offensive coach, and they have good players, I just thought you're, 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 you're mixing in the you know, new receiver, new running backs, 
two new guards, new quarterback, obviously. It's going to take time. They're not going to come out of the gate, you know, and, and jump out. And, well, guess what? I mean, right from – and, again, I'm not putting a lot of stock in priest, but just watching them in practice even. No, the offense, if you didn't know better, you would think these guys have been together for four or five years now. I mean, it looks like a – it looks like a very good offense that knows what they're doing. So, so throw that factor out about the slow start. On the other hand, I think Atlanta, with a new head coach and Dan Quinn, who I think is going to do a good job there, um, and a new coordinator and, a, and with, with Shanahan on offense, they're the ones I think that are behind. They're not in. They're not in sync yet. They're they're having pro, their offensive line. They they just signed two new guys this past week. They they traded for um, the kid Levitra from from Tennessee, and they signed a new center. Um, off the street, and they're both supposed to start. So they're going to have two new starters on the offensive line. Um, yeah, I, I, I think the Eagles now, I mean, I think the Eagles win. I think, I think there'll, there'll be points scored. I'm, I think this is going to be like a 34-24 kind of game. So bet the over, even though we oh, don't know what it is. Always bet the over with the Eagles, always. Always bet the over. All right, guys, uh, this has been fun. Episode 6 in the books. We'll do this again next week, and uh, next week, we'll be able to break down an actual game, an actual Eagles regular season game. Eagles-Falcons, Monday Night Football. You guys will be in Atlanta, uh, and we'll catch up again after that. Guys, enjoy the week, and uh, enjoy week one. Football is back. Enjoy it, Elliot. Sounds good. Talk to you next week. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Joe. And everyone, thank you for listening to Episode 6 of the No Huddle Show. Remember to follow us on Twitter, at Elliot Shore Parks, at Mark Eccolo 8 at Joe Giglio Sports. Always throw questions our way. We'll touch on them on the podcast. And, of course, subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher. This has been Episode 6 of the No Huddle Show.